Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Show. <laughs> my my partner loves audiobooks. It's the primary way she reads. Um, so she has she would have great recommendations. I do not because I can't listen to books. We should we'll do a little sharing circle where we talk about audiobooks. Um, yeah, <laughs> sometime because I would be very curious to know. <laughs> well. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Streaming a Place. And I don't know how much of that I'm going to leave in. Not too much. Yeah, I feel like a good bit of it you should leave in, even though I wasn't here for most of it. But I think it's good <laughs> multicultural education stuff. For the people at home, we definitely just talked for like 15 minutes about audiobooks and various and actual books and uh, the, the Lady Sherlock um, series by whom again? Allison, let's give them a plug. Sherry Thomas. She's apparently delightful. Yeah, they're um, really fun. And we'll see whether the, I'm mentioning this at the top of the podcast because we'll see if we pivot back to that topic <laughs> as we oh, talk we about today's episode of Lucifer, season three, episode four. What would Lucifer do? Because I think there's about half of a fun episode here, and then there's a bunch of stuff that Bland drags down. So, um, and I, that's I'm gonna try not to be that dismissive every time, um, but it there's things that I know are happening are gonna are coming later in the season that are starting to be seated here. And it's really hard to watch it the second time. The first time through wasn't as bad. So I'm hoping you guys like this one more than I do. And we're going to start our conversation about this episode with Amenadiel because half of this is an Amenadiel episode. And I like the Amenadiel part of this episode. What did you guys think of Amenadiel trying to, to walk a mile in Lucifer's shoes? Aren't you lucky? You get to have sex with me. Like, oh, no. No, deal. no. That's not the correct thing. That's mm-hmm. not the correct thing to say at all. Oh, bless. Um, it was really delightful. Um, on, like, just that whole level of him thinking that he wanted to... that that That's what he thought... That's what he thinks Lucifer does. Um, and it is, but in a very different sort of way. Um... There's a lot more, like, charm and finesse and suave to it that makes it, air quotes, okay. Um, but also the fact that Abinadiel is a big, strong boy, but he's not a chariz- charismatic boy, to go back to our D&D parlance for breaking down these characters. Um, and I think that just makes a fun difference. But it was also just... I just loved him in Lucifer's suits because those were not Lucifer's. <laughs> yeah, Lucifer is just a completely different size and shape. There's no yeah. way. Like, I decided I was okay with it because maybe Lucifer has a whole set of of playing just in case. Out- yeah. No role playing. He's been preparing for, for this moment. So, like, maybe you know, there's hmm. other reasons that he would have suits of that size because just for himself, obviously not. Somebody he met through his grinder account. Right, exactly. That we never get to see anything of. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that's, that that was fun. But I think also just like watching him work through that and come to terms with who he is and who he needs to be it was really, really enjoyable. And I was very happy for all of that. And it was just also very funny. And then just getting carted off to jail because he didn't understand how prostitution works. It's just, well, he does. He just didn't think she was a prostitute. (laughs) And her her family member, who does not have a strong familial resemblance. (laughs) And 
Um, Dan just being so patient with that our big yeah. sweet boy. <laughs> oh, Dan. New union rep, Dan Espinosa. Um, you know, I also really enjoyed this half of the episode to the point where I... I think part of my frustration with the episode overall um, is that I just wanted there to be more of it. Like yes. I wanted this to be the answer to May's hanging out in Canada um, where like, I'm not worried about May's I'm worried about Canada and here I'm not worried about the women of Los Angeles. I'm worried about Amenadiel. Um So I, I, you know, I just, I wanted there, I wanted more of that. I wanted more of his exploration of what it was like to be Lucifer. I wanted to see him put the dots together about what wasn't working and what it all means. And I feel like the end of the episode, which I'm sure we'll talk about all on its own, because it's, for me, it's the, the best scene of the episode and the thing that justifies its existence as a whole is this like really incredible scene between Allison between Tom Ellis and TB Woodside. Um, but before that, the lighter stuff I thought was just really, it was a thoughtful story for a Menadiel because he's so empathetic and somehow still doesn't totally get it. Right. Like it reminds me a little bit like a light version of some of the mom storylines we got last season where he just, he doesn't understand what Lucifer does and he doesn't totally understand how humans work yet. Um, so it's, we've got some of those fun fish out of water touches. Um, and then when you add in Dan bailing him out of jail, just like, and then the two of them drinking, what a, what a delight. Um, so yeah, I guess my big frustration with it was I just wanted there to be more. It's not that I think the the story was too slight, but it was so far more interesting than what was happening in the case of the week that I just, it felt really imbalanced to me. The, uh, Amenadiel and Dan, like, scene partner, you know, thing, not even friendship, kind of friendship, but they they haven't spent quite enough time together, I think, for me to call them friends. They've gotten burgers together and stuff. I I mean, Dan is his improv teacher. There's a connection. There's a connection there that transcends friendship. That's one of my favorite pairings on the show i really enjoy them together it's it's really fun it's not quite maze and trixie but it's not it's not like not in the same conversation for me at this point which is great (laughs) yeah well let's uh well let's end with the closing scene so um let's let's make (laughs) it's gonna be a little bit of a shit sandwich because we've got the case of the week and i think the case of the week is fine even if lucifer's like the the stuff they give him it feels just a bit heavy-handed even for him like they're trying too hard and maybe that's what they wanted to be going for for him but it, it didn't feel like posturing it felt like just not being in balance and being over just playing pushing too hard with it um and i agree that the scene at the end i thought was terrific and really really strong but a lot just i just really hate everything that they are doing <laughs> with lieutenant bland because again who is this and what have they done with ella well, um, I think, do you, do either of you remember the Mad TV West Wing sketch where they just walk and talk nonstop? Do you, any, any memory of this? No, okay. I, I will look it up later. Okay, I'll send you the link and maybe we can put it in, maybe we can put it on Twitter attached with the episode in some way. It's, it's, first of all, it's funny. Um, but second, the reason it's funny is that the way that the sketch operates, the way that a lot of sketch comedy operates, um, is it takes every recognizable character 
to the nth degree, right? Like it just bumps them all up so that they're sort of only their idiosyncrasies, um, which makes sense for sketch, right? Like it makes sense that Mad TV would um, end up parodying the West Wing by having somebody be like, there are so many things that I hate that I cannot even begin to express how much I hate the, and then just like at length and then it's Toby Ziegler, right? Um, only it, that shouldn't be happening on the television show itself, right? So this is like... Unless it's Friends, and then it's okay. <laughs> sure. There's, it's like there's one character per episode where they're accidentally doing the sketch version right now. It's really weird. Um, and there's still... There was like a lighter version of that with Ella in this episode, but I feel like it was Lucifer's turn to just be sort of not up until the end, not recognizably Lucifer. Doing things that seem Lucifer-ish, but in a way that just doesn't make any sense to me. And I think when you add in... Um, you know, it's like we got a trade where, yes, they mentioned that Lucifer has a grinder account, even though we don't see it. But thank you for the mention, because of course he does. Um, on the one hand, but on the other, it's just incredibly thoughtless about addiction. Um... Which is, I mean, whatever. I'm not watching Lucifer for thoughtful social commentary. But it just it just feels really like... Like nobody at all involved in that story behaves ethically, except for, I guess, their first suspect, who even then is fixated on his counsel. It, anyway, I just... Um, the combination of Lucifer being so um, intensely over Lucifery, with the complete lack of with a story where basically they were like, yeah, he's right um, about people who are in recovery um, was incredibly frustrating for me. Hmm. Marcus says it feels like they were trying to amp up some of the aspects of the characters as a means to get more viewers. And yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the show is trying to justify it with this whole Lucifer's response to the Sinner Man thing. But when you factor in the fact that everyone else vaguely feels heightened um, in certain ways, I think that imbalances that concept. Um, and I, even down to the fact that I think Chloe's been at her most Chloe in like a regular run episode as she is in this episode of this season. Um not counting, like, uh, Maisa Keen-Smith um, as, like... That's kind of a one-off, weird, backdoor pilot type of episode, if ever there was one. But she's Chloe in that episode. And she's very much, I think, yeah. Chloe in this episode as well. Um, after not being Chloe for two episodes. Um, even though it is a little weird that she wants to be the union rep. Because even I know that's not something she should be doing. Um, <laughs> so, I think that there's, there's just that weird sort of twist of Lucifer needing to be the most Lucifer possible doesn't track or doesn't feel as interesting when we're doing a lot of other, when we've, we're coming off a lot of other more interesting psychological stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I get that shows need to reset after a season sometimes, especially like these kinds of procedurals, but the reset feels really hard here. And in a way that almost feels like it predates our show like it predates season one Lucifer to a large degree. And that's really frustrating as someone who's been watching since season three. If you're just tuning in for season one, you're probably okay. 
Mm-hmm. Marcus says, can lieutenants even choose the union rep? Are they not management? That's a good point. It's a union rep. So I think they have to like get elected. I don't know yeah. quite how that works in police forces, um, yeah. but not entirely sure. Yeah. Keenan says, uh, part of me giggled when Lucifer rolled in high as a kite on a horse, but also just didn't make sense. <laughs> it was very funny. It I, was. That was terrific. But the stuff around it. The weed hits him harder because Chloe's around. yeah yeah i can't believe we haven't delved into exactly how pharmaceuticals um and mind-altering substances affect lucifer and whether or not they affect him more when chloe's around because that's amazing (laughs) that was the implication in like the god johnson episode was Mm -hmm. that oh right yes he got hit harder um yeah well because actually for me it's it's really fun because when we watch, like, for example, Maze and, and Linda, right, having drinks in the previous episode, the the implication is, yes, she's been on a bender for days, but because of her demon constitution, it's like she's been, like, day drinking, lightly sipping, you know, spritzers for the past several days because it just doesn't, alcohol and drugs don't affect, right. you know, them as much as they do humans. And so, yes, there, it seems like incredible excess, but just on the constitution of a human not of the constitution of an angel or uh, demonstitution exactly (laughs) um and keenan said also says that uh chloe had another kind of weird loud outfit coupled with awkward timid demeanor around lieutenant bland that made her, her for so many scenes that made for so many scenes where she didn't seem like herself and i absolutely agree with that i don't think she seems like herself in this episode whenever she's around the lieutenant and I like I like the the line they throw in about her not wanting to mess up her career and that awareness that like being on the wrong side of the boss can seriously derail someone's career career in that profession. I think that's a really good uh, point. Um, but still, like I don't know, just let's let's just rip off the band aid and and talk about uh, the show trying to go for some sort of chemistry or banter with Chloe and the lieutenant because it's just bad. Well, I think one thing that we can chalk up, and this is me just being metatextual, of Chloe's awkwardness with uh, Marcus Pierce is they never seem accountable to any other supervisors at any point in the show. Mm -hmm. So maybe she's just not used to it. Maybe she's just used to getting to be the loose cannon all the time because they apparently only have like lieutenants twice a year. (laughs) Otherwise, they have no supervision whatsoever. It doesn't come up very often, yeah. It doesn't, like, the last, we, they, she had a lieutenant in season one who was there for two episodes and then ran for mayor or police commissioner or whatever it was and was never heard from again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, let's talk about Marcus slash Lieutenant Bland. And I mean, he's still, yeah, I really do feel like they're trying to force, like, banter and type stuff. But he also, you know, jumped in front of a shotgun. So, you can't, he's not terrible, he's just bland, and kind of mean, and a little bit on a power trip, about having two letters in front of his name. I, um, you know, feel a little bit like he needed to jump in front of a bullet so that we would like him. Right, and that's Where the almost certainly what like, happened. Let's have him, I know, he's gonna take a bullet for Chloe, yeah. Um, which I have to say sort of makes me assume that he's the villain for the season. Uh-huh. Um, 
Which is maybe not accurate. Um, yeah, Keenan says, when Ellis started with the he likes you bit, I was like, how he is putting out no signals. Indeed. I was like, what? What? No. My partner and I had like a little bit of a discussion about this. And I agree with her in that a lot of that joke doesn't work if he's actually putting out signals. It's funnier because he's not. Mm. Yeah, but it it then the joke... The whole point of the joke is to undermine Ella as a character. And like Scotty says, she's supposed to be smart. So her saying this makes her seem stupid. Yeah. Which, or, again, is in keeping with this season. So it's yeah. either that... Or she just really knows her fanfic tropes and knows that the big, <laughs> aloof... Totally. New, ...newcomer, who's this new guy? And he's very aloof. I don't like him. We don't like him. But also, he's focusing a lot on you. That must mean something. <laughs> I've turned the tables on Allison, and now she's on Lieutenant Bland's ship. I've done it. My work here is done. Nope. I was just <laughs> I was just thinking about the lyrics to who's the new guy and trying to figure out which was the most Lieutenant Blandy, but it doesn't track because Nathaniel is a zillion times more interesting than Lieutenant Bland could ever be. Not at the start. <laughs> oh, at, even disagree. at the start. Even at the start, when he was yeah. just being a dick because he was an interesting and funny dick. I won't be back to normal until I see what your nipples look like. Come on. That's, Lieutenant Bland could never. For people who don't know, uh, that we're talking about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. You should go watch it because it's very good. Okay, back to our Lucifer conversation. Um, I can't comment on some of the things you guys are saying because I know what happens. Right. right. And we will circle back. And I have a rough idea of what happens, so I'm also being cagey. I have no idea what happens, so I'm, sh- I'm just... All I know is that the show still exists. Yes. Um, and I, you know, like, that's about it. Um, that's about all that's been spoiled for me. So, um, and I know, like, some cast members that are still involved, but I won't say who for other people who are watching for the first time. Um, so, yeah. I I just assume that, like, maybe at this point they figured that they had to sort of... Um, adjust for the casting because it really felt like the point of this episode was to get us on board with this character um but in a way where it's like plot armor um as opposed to actually developing the character because it was just like i i just don't i just don't care and it's Mm -hmm. not like i think any of the acting was insanely bad because there wasn't that much to do. Like, the whole point of Lieutenant Bland right now seems to be like, hello, greetings, I'm handsome and inscrutable. So I'm just going to stand here, and my facial expression's not going to change very much, and that's my job. Hold on, bullet! And then he jumps in front of the bullet. Um, <laughs> right. Um, I, I will say I did like uh, the sort of nonverbal exchange they have at the end when poor old Dan comes in and says, hey, thanks for putting me up for the union rep job, um, even if that doesn't make any sense. No, uh, because he's a mildly corrupt cop that got off easy. He also should not be the union rep. No, he really shouldn't. <laughs> he really shouldn't. Um, so I, I thought that that was an interesting little scene. Um, uh, Marcus says, I have thoughts, but they might be spoilers. Um, they probably are. I'm they just going to jump are. in. You've seen it, right? So yeah, yeah they he, probably Marcus are. has seen it, yeah. Um. Uh, anyway, yeah. So then you compare it to everything that's going on with Amenadiel, and it's like, what time is it? Um, when can we get when can we get back to Amenadiel recovering from the fact that he accidentally hired a sex worker? Um, that would be that would be really great. Uh, and then we get that amazing final scene. 
Yeah. So now let's talk about the final scene. Um, one of the things that I continue to enjoy about the Lucifer and Amityville uh, dynamic, and which I think is going to start shifting, it feels like this is the beginning of that shifting, is how similar they are with how self-centered they are. Because Amityville is obsessed with Lucifer, not because he needs to not to help Lucifer, not because of their relationship, not because anything, but because it's his test. So he manages to make everything about Lucifer actually be a referendum on himself and his worthiness and his like relationship to God, um, to Dad, and all of that. And so, like, the, I thought this it was just such a jolt of the best of Lucifer one and two, like those really powerful scenes that we've gotten at various points that felt really intense and hurtful and honest and um, and layered and nuanced, really strong performances. I was like, oh, this is the show that we like. Okay. And we also like the zany, goofy stuff too, but this is the counterbalance to that. And they can still do that. So I don't know why they aren't doing it more, but it was, it was, I really latched onto the, that last scene. I feel like, like going back to Marcus's idea of like drawing on new viewers or doing a soft onboarding is that like we're really kind of push pulling away from that kind of stuff um but when you do it it's a good reminder of what this show does really well as you said um and so it's great to see it but then it also becomes frustrating to see it because it's like oh wait you still know how to do this and it's effective and it gives us insight into character and motivations gives the actor something really interesting to play, which is always really great, especially with this cast. So it just, it feels really good, but at the same time, it also feels like a, but there, you can just keep doing this. Just do this. And you're not. And why aren't you? And then you're like, oh, right, because there's a big scary guy somewhere on the horizon. But, you know, at least tomorrow we have something fun, I think, at least based on the episode title. Spoilers. Well, uh, I don't know the episode title, but I will. You say, will in a few minutes. Great. Can't <laughs> You'll wait. Be very excited. Can't wait. I assume it's Mr. and Mrs. Mazakine Smith Part Two. It is. Um, it great. Is. Um, yeah, that's going to be amazing. Um, I, you know, I, I think that the thing that's really great about this scene is that it allows time. It leaves time and space for Ellis and Woodside to react to the things that they are both saying and hearing, right? There's a lot of stuff happening subtextually. There's a lot of stuff that's happening in the pauses. Um, and it doesn't feel indulgent at all because it's not like, ins- it's not an insanely amount, insane amount of time, but, um, but I think you know, if you were to just look at the words on the page um, and not use actors of this caliber, it would still be like a decent scene. But what makes it really special is you can watch all of the blows land. And in the case of um, of Amenadiel, it's him reacting to what Lucifer is saying and at the same time understanding why he's saying it and what it means and all of that really, really effective. And then um, Tom Ellis's sweet spot outside of comedy um which is i'm gonna commit to this thing and at the same time show you exactly how much of it is based in self-loathing and then react to how terrible i am in real time um which he's very 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 good at so um so i think it was it felt like kind of a fracture point um even with (laughs) 
<laughs> even with the heavy-handed mirror thing, um, which couldn't spoil that that scene for me. Um, that was rough. Yeah, I mean, it was... I like the mirror thing. I like the mirror thing because it underscored for me how much of what he was this whole episode <clears throat> was a re- <clears throat> was a reaction against his fear that he is changing in a way that he can't control. And that he has lost his his devil face, and what does that mean? Because so much of this whole episode, yes, it's heavy handed, but so much of this whole episode is him. People never change, you know. And it feels like the kind of thing he would have said in a previous season, and but just to a lesser extent. And when you get the face, and he like it, I, I get for me is he wants to. He's trying to see the devil face, and he can't. It's been taken from him, and what does that mean? And he's terrified. And because, okay, because the rest of the, except for Mazikeen, because the first two episodes of the season were so weak and the writing was nowhere near as good compared to the show, so the show at its best and like half of this episode was the same. I forgot that that that's what the character is dealing with and that's where the character is at. So for me, I needed that much hand holding for them to be like, we haven't forgotten this, guys. He's still dealing with all of this, even though it doesn't feel like it for most of the scenes in the episode. I think what it is for me in that sequence is that they just linger on it for what feels like an eternity, especially in the season it is now of like, we cut, it's a lot of shot reverse shot in that sequence. I think it's like two to four, like back and forths, um, which is a lot for A, the show right now and B, to get that across, which is why it feels heavy handed. I think if you just do like a tour basically and you're done, it works much better. Allison? Yeah, um, I don't know, man. I'm so bewildered. And I feel like I need to keep reminding myself that part of what's going on with this season is probably, and I'm sure friend of the show LaToya Ferguson can confirm or deny this when she returns later this week, um, depends on like how much of this is about, as Marcus said, bringing in new viewers in a sort of, wow, we've got to save the show effort. Uh, Because it really does, as Noel said earlier, feel like stitching together scenes from the series that we know and really enjoy with this new um, sort of, apologies, dumber, um, less interesting, much broader version. Uh, And that is making for a pretty frustrating experience. So I guess, I don't know, I guess I need to remind myself that um, sometimes you've just got to do whatever you've got to do to keep your job and to keep making the thing you want to make, I Mm -hmm. guess, for lack of a better, for lack of a better thing. Um, But at the end of the day, at least, I I mean, I still really enjoyed this scene. And if we were putting all of the, the stuff I didn't love about this episode and all the stuff that I did on scales, it would still tip out on I mean Amenadiel got arrested because he accidentally hired a sex worker um (laughs) you know what I mean like um how much can I really complain when that happened um so I guess that's kind of where I am yeah well if anybody who's hanging out in the zoom has any thoughts or things they want us to to check in on uh, or give our thoughts on please drop them into the chat now otherwise it's time for final thoughts so Noel any final thoughts none really though I'm like I'm I'm (sighs) I'm I I I'm very alone on my little branch here of wanting to know how Bland's thing develops since I know what it is, okay. um, and I'm I'm curious to see how it like plays out and how that starts getting how that starts growing, um, hmm. mainly just from like a larger narrative perspective. 
that's what I'm curious about, since I already know what it is. I just want to see how it gets plotted along. And I'm actually really curious about that. So okay. that's me. That's my final thought. But I'm mostly just excited for tomorrow. Okay. Uh, Allison, how about you? Um, well, first of all, I wonder if maybe my reaction would be different if I was in Noel's position, right? Where like... I don't know. I don't think so. Hmm. I Mainly for me, it pro- you probably wouldn't be. I'm mainly interested. I can't tell you I'm interested. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, I, th- I feel like I probably sort of already summed up my thoughts on this episode, but... Yeah. Um, uh, you know, again, Amenadiel accidentally hired a sex worker. It's very, it's highly entertaining. It's a really funny scene. And I really, I'm enjoying the headcanon of trying to figure out why Lucifer had suits in his size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on those things. I'm going to focus on those things. This is a good call. This is a good decision. I'm um, back to book club. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to wrap this. I, I am in the same place as, as you are, Allison, and Noel, I know what you're talking about, and yeah. it's still it's not interesting. Yeah, and that's fine. And that's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's going to get better, and then it's going to get dumber, is my read of it. So we'll see what you guys think. Yeah. Um, but I'm very excited. I've been looking forward to this all week. So this finishes up our conversation on Lucifer Season 3, Episode 4, which is what would a minute, what would Lucifer do? Not what would a minute deal do. This is a very different conversation. Um, <laughs> and tomorrow we're going to be back, and we're going to talk about Episode 5, which is... Welcome back, Charlotte Richards! Ha 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 Yay, that is a good title. Yay! Cool. Great. <laughs> I'm into that. I like the next several episodes, so I, I'm, I'm feeling good about the rest of this week. The bad news is, is that she hooks up with Marcus Pierce. I'm sorry, Allison. She just <laughs> hooks up with Marcus, and it's just like, I don't know what you want. I, I, the show giveth and the show taketh away. <laughs> you know what? Um, let's just bring back Malcolm Palmetto. Um, I feel like <laughs> that would be preferable. Can we do a swap? Can I hit? Can can I hit Control Z on this and and trade? <laughs> well, there aren't many times where I wouldn't want Kyle Rankin or Kevin Rankin over. It's true. Yeah, Lieutenant Bland. So yeah, okay. Uh, anyways, we'll have more to say tomorrow. Looking forward to the conversation. Thank you to our Zoom listeners. And today, that is again, uh, Keenan, Marcus, and Scotty. And we'll be back for tomorrow. Uh, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.